Who says tech can't be human? For me, there are three key things that we need to do. The first one is, of course, we need to mentor. We need to share our wisdom and our stories. The second thing, of course, is we need to role model. And then the third thing is you coach. Welcome to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. We get it. Another vendor running another podcast ad, trying to get you to check out their product. Instead of explaining to you what our amazing sponsor, Axonius, does, we've brought in an Axonius customer to fill you in. Take it from Jason Loomis, Chief Information Security Officer at MindBody. The sheer excitement of my team to have visibility into what's in our environment and have it all in one location is just, I, I can't express how important that is for us. Want to learn more about how MindBody enhanced their asset visibility and increased their cybersecurity maturity rating with Exonius? Watch the video at exonius.com forward slash MindBody. That's A-X-O-N-I-U-S dot com forward slash MindBody. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. E- yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. Our guest this episode is Stacy Ashley. Stacy is a high performance and leadership coaching expert and has helped thousands of individuals develop their leadership, confidence, credibility, and competence. Stacy has also recently authored two books in one month. Surprising, awesome, <laughs> crazy. The two books that she recently authored were Power Up. And you're on mute. Stacy. thank you again for taking the time out. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, I am so thrilled to be here, Chris. Thanks so much. Yeah, we are thrilled to have you. Leadership is one of our favorite topics of all time. I feel like I've spent my entire life cultivating my leadership ability. But for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, would love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Sure. Well, I think I've just led forever, you know, whether it was sport or school or in corporate, that's just been my life. And so I've spent the last 15 years or so really helping organizations around the world to grow and develop more people who can be good at leading, particularly change and transformation, which, hey, after the last couple of years in the world is pretty relevant. Right. And so, yeah, I just really want to make it as easy as possible for people to step up and lead because the world needs leadership. So let's jump right into that then. One of the things that I've found as a challenge is to become a leader, how to do that and really have that mindset. When I first got started in my career, I was so focused on being very technical and know all the bits and bytes of technology, but I forgot about the human element of it all. What have been some of the challenges that you've seen out of yourself or from others to start to cultivate that leadership ability. Yeah, and the point that you just talked about where people get, they're so good at what they do, you know, they have this knowledge in their particular specialist domain, which is amazing, and then somehow they get put into some kind of a leadership role, whether they get promoted or someone says, hey, you should do this. And so they find themselves in this role and no one really explains to them the difference between what they were doing as an expert and what they're now being asked to do. And so I think that that's a really big gap. And it's probably one of the biggest ones that I see, (laughs) gosh, in just about every organization or community body or, you know, you name it. 
And so I think that the first thing is that whether it's the organisation, whether it's the leader's leader, whether it's the individual themselves, you need to recognise actually it's different. And so great to have those specialist skills, but it's not enough if you're going to lead people, if you're going to lead a program of work, if you're going to be a thought leader or an influencer or any of those things, you need to have more skills in your kit. And so the first thing is just to recognise it, I think, and then it's to figure out, okay, what's the gap, which might be a knowledge gap, it might be a mindset gap, it might be a behaviour gap, and then how do I go about addressing that? And there's so many things that you can do and so many people you can learn from and there's free information and education and and all those sorts of things, but I think the very first thing is just getting that awareness. So that would be my kind of number one thing because even the most senior leaders, I find, often have a gap that started right when they very first became a leader. Tell us a little bit about your leadership journey. Obviously, this is something you decided to focus on. This was your intention. But when was that turning point for you? Was it something earlier on when you were in sports or is this something that you cultivated later on in life? Yeah, I think, like I said, it's always been there. And I'm not sure that there was sort of like a pivotal moment. I think it's just always been there. And I've always held roles of leadership people have, even when I was playing sports, it was people would say, oh, you know, you be the captain or you go and have the conversation or you know what to say. And so that was a pattern that's always been there. But I got to a certain point in my leadership career, I guess, where I was like, you know what, I feel like as a leader, an up and coming leader, I wish there were more people I could learn from or I could look at and go, oh, I want to model what they're doing or I want to be doing some of the things that they've managed to achieve. And I didn't see enough of that around me. And so I got to a certain point and I thought I need to actually go and do something about this. And so it happened to coincide with the point which I was sort of considering having a family as well. And it just wasn't going to gel very well with my corporate career with the hours I was working and that sort of thing. And so those couple of things together, I guess, were the point where I went, there's a bigger game to play and I'll go and do something that is about contributing to elevating the practice of leadership. That happened quite a long time ago now. And so ever since then, everything that I've done has been about fostering and cultivating leadership at all levels. Mostly I work with very senior leaders these days, but I think one of the biggest things about that is that leaders have a responsibility to build and grow more leaders. So I'm kind of fulfilling that and I want to encourage more very senior leaders to fulfill that, to grow the people around them. Because again, the world is crying out for leadership and we all have a responsibility to be one of those leaders or grow more of those leaders. Absolutely. We really do. Especially if you have that knowledge and you have that experience, it's it's so powerful to share that with everyone. What was the turning point for you where you felt as though I have to not only help others, I not only have to share my experience, but I also have to write books about it. What was the Mm. turning point and the approach that you took for kind of going at it even more and scaling your efforts? Yeah, good questions. I think, again, I'm not sure that there was point in time, I had been thinking about this leadership space for a really long time. And and I guess one of the keys, of course, is to making a difference is to create awareness, right, as to get in front of as many people as possible. And so in terms of writing books, that's a fairly obvious one. So I've been doing a lot of really good work with leaders and organisations to build leadership skills and capacity and capability. And, and that was going really well. I actually did have a moment. I kind of woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, you know what, you're not doing enough. 
it's great the people that you're working with are getting all of this great information and insight and that sort of thing. But there's so many other people out there that don't get exposed to that. And that's when the idea of writing a book sort of first came up was how could I get that information to more people? And really that was, I guess, the drive behind writing my very first book, which was about, I don't know, 2018 maybe. It was a challenge for me because I didn't consider myself a writer. I sort of considered myself more of a speaker than a writer. And so that was a bit of a challenge. You know, how do I go about writing a book? And then I found a process that really works for me. And I went on a book retreat, which was write your book in a week, like go into this space with all of this amazing support and coaches and guidance and write your book. And that sounded perfect for me because I like to work with intensity. So that's how I wrote my my first book. And of course, I discovered I can write a book and I can share all of this great information with the world. And so now I uh, have written quite a number of books and it's a very quick process for me because I actually voice record my books. I don't type them out. I voice record and then I edit them. Once I had the process down, I was like, oh, I can write books. And so about 18 months after that, I wrote my second book. And then in 2021, I wrote three books all together. And just because I've now... (laughs) Because I've now learned this process. And so, you know, we were talking about a little earlier that I published two books in December and that was because I wanted to challenge myself, but I had so much important stuff to get into the world on actually two very different topics. And so I decided I would write two more books and publish those together and get that, well, what I think is important information out to more people so that more people have got the opportunity and the choice and the information that they need. Wow, that is incredible. I I need to check out this book writing retreat. It sounds like incredible, but it, it sounds so daunting all at the same time. When you've gone through and you've coached all of these leaders, especially at the executive level, I'm sure you run into common problems, problems that people always have when, sure, they might have been great at what they do. They might have stuck around for a long time, but they never really put the practice into their leadership ability. What are some of the common obstacles that people have that keeps them from being the best leader that they can be? Gosh, there's such a variety, but I think there's a couple of patterns that I guess I would share. One is the busyness. I don't know whether you guys experience this, but busyness, how are you today? I'm busy. And this whole concept of busy, busy isn't actually very effective. Busy is just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. And so one of the things that I find that great leaders do is that they're really clear about where they make a difference, where they add value, where they can make a real contribution, and that's what they do. They don't focus on being busy. They focus on the important stuff. And so that's a really big distinction. So leaders who are busy or working silly hours, doing emails in the middle of the night or on the weekends, that kind of stuff, that doesn't create great leadership. That just ticks boxes. And so that would be, I think, almost the number one stumbling block Mm. mind because those leaders are operating in busy, but they're also operating in this kind of mind clutter. They don't have the space to think because they're just full of stuff to do. So that would be my number one thing. The second thing that I would say, and I must also say I typically work with amazing leaders who are super aspirational. That's why I'm drawn to work with them. But the things that I do hear about leaders who maybe haven't recognised that 
the role of leadership, it's a privilege. You know, if you have a role in an organisation where you have this responsibility for delivering part of that organisation's portfolio and looking after the people that do that, that's an enormous privilege and responsibility. And I think sometimes there's a gap between where the leader is in terms of their awareness and that actual responsibility. And so I think that that can be a bit of a a gap, I guess, in terms of actually delivering on your leadership. If you haven't recognised the magnitude of that responsibility, then you're probably not going to deliver on it. And so that gap we need to close consistently. And then the third thing I think is, I would say it's more general. For me, leadership is something that you need to practice. You know, you need to get better at it. You need to continually learn so that you can always be incrementally improving your leadership. So you've always got something to offer the people around you. And I find that there are some leaders who feel like they've got nothing left to learn. And for me, Mm. that is like the death knell of leadership because if you've got nothing left to learn, you're not leading anymore. Security controls fail everywhere. They fail constantly. And worst of all, they fail silently. That's why you need Attack IQ, the leading automated insights platform to continually validate your defenses. Better insights, better decisions, and real security outcomes. Get it all with Attack IQ. Plus, check out the Attack IQ Academy for free cybersecurity training featuring the good people here at Hacker Valley Studio. Register today at academy.attackiq.com and let them know Hacker Valley Studio sent you. Dang, I feel somewhat called out in some ways, at least with the first point of being too busy and not really having that space to think and be creative. I would imagine that a lot of leaders and even individuals, practitioners, independent contributors fall into that trap where they're constantly trying to be more productive or constantly trying to find ways to optimize their schedule. But then you just end up with more things that you have to respond to and ultimately fires that you have to put out. How do you apply some of these lessons to your own personal life and business? Tell us a story about how you've discovered one of these insights or discoveries and then use that information to make your leadership abilities even better. Oh my gosh, you're really testing me, aren't you? Testing my recall. (laughs) Keeping you on your toes, yes. (laughs) Okay, so I think I'll stick with the busyness one because I feel like so many people are caught in that little cycle. They jump on the treadmill every day and they don't really get off. So I think that for me, a couple of things. One is, In my own corporate career, I was super busy and I realised that I needed to get myself sorted because I couldn't keep working these silly hours. And what I find is people kind of do get in a cycle because when you work long hours or you do emails at silly times or you're always available to the people around you, that sort of thing, you set this precedent and so it becomes expected that that's what's going to happen. And so you sort of set yourself up for this little cycle and it's like, oh, my gosh, how do I get out of this? And so one of the things that you actually need to do is firstly for yourself, draw up the boundaries. When am I available or when am I not available? When do I do work and when don't I do work? What are the key things I need to focus on and what do I really not need to do? Because either it's not important or someone else can do it. 
And so be really clear about those boundaries. That's the first thing. And I should also say that partly I learned this in my career and also I spent a few years as a productivity consultant. So I got this kind of simplified, mm. accelerated education. So draw the boundaries for yourself and follow them, of course, and then begin to educate the people around you that you're not actually available outside of hours and things like that. So even on my voicemail, I have a message which says, something along the lines that changes from time to time, but basically, hey, thanks for your message. I'll be returning my calls at this time of the day or after 4 p.m. or tomorrow at 9 o'clock or something like that because that just sets the expectation. People don't expect me to call back because I've already told them I won't be calling them back until a certain time. And while that seems a small thing, I now don't need to field the follow-up calls and all of the stuff that would normally happen or the email that says, hey, you haven't answered my call. And so there are things that we can put in place to establish those boundaries for ourselves and for others. And once we educate people that we are, in fact, not on our device waiting for their email to come in because we've got nothing else to do except wait for their email, once we educate people in that and set that expectation for them and for us, things get a lot easier and we simply then create some space and some time to do like the really cool stuff, the things that are going to move the dial, the strategic stuff, the creative stuff, the innovative stuff that we need to have some space for. When you're plowing through email, you typically don't get the most amazing ideas of how to make great (laughs) progress, right? right? So we've got to create space and that means first and foremost is set boundaries. What about those people that have a really hard time with setting those boundaries? Like, oh, I just want to help everyone. Or oh, if I tell them I'm busy or if I tell them no, they'll think I'm mean. Yeah. What sort of creative license do you give for those people that I just want to be helpful, but I am overtaxed when it comes yeah. to my job? Yeah, I guess there's a few different things that I might talk to them about. But one of them is there is a line. There's helping people and then there's spoon feeding them so they can't help themselves. Like there's a point at which people really need to be able to do, for example, their own job. They can't just keep coming back to you all the time. And so I guess it's about at what point is your help actually not helping them? So that would be one thing to consider. And then the other thing is to consider in the bigger picture of what you're responsible for, the difference that you can make, regardless of your role, but particularly for leaders because they impact lots of other people as well, is in that context, what actually is the most important thing for you to do? Is it to do whatever you had been working on or is it to go and help this other person? And so making those choices a little bit more consciously rather than just always going and helping and taking yourself away from your own work, being really clear about will I go and help this person or will I keep focused on this important thing that I was doing. And if you want to keep focused, then of course, we don't just give people the brush off. We don't be rude. We let them know, hey, at the moment, I'm focused on this. Can I help you after lunch? So I think if we let people know that we're doing something else and that it has a big impact, then they're much more understanding. And also we're giving that other person some time to see if they can figure the thing out on their own rather than relying on us. So there's lots of things going on. And I know for some people it is challenging to say not now or not yet or no, but I think practice makes it a little bit easier. If you've thought it through first, you know, what makes the right decision here and then be nice about how you deliver that. 
Yeah, you actually had a really good point about maybe introducing that opportunity to someone else, someone else that has the time and the space Mm -hmm. to fulfill that ask that someone else put on you. And, you know, this is one of the things that Chris and I have been really trying to work on is not necessarily just being the people that are very talented, but to be a connector for others, to help others get that opportunity that we had, because the more relationships that we set up and the more opportunities that we give others, the more that are going to ultimately find their way back to us. Yeah, they're on such a great thought process. And in fact, Let me tell you, there's lots of evidence that actually supports those people that do the connecting, that do kind of support the flow of ideas and relationships and that sort of thing. They get some really good outcomes from that. And you're right, it does come back. Those people do tend to kind of do better in life overall, have better relationships, get more rewards, get more information, access to opportunity and support and all of that sort of thing that they're typically better liked, which is kind of nice, right? Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so I think that's just such a great opportunity. And if you can be, again, be conscious about supporting those kinds of things, I think then that's an amazing thing to do and everybody wins. Everybody wins. One of my favorite aspects of being a leader is grooming the next level of leadership Because I think that's a skill that not many people really talk about. So when you have the time to either cultivate the people on your team into leaders or even just people in general, just Mm -hmm. mentees or anything like that, I think it's such a special thing. Because when I see my mentees and they're stepping into leadership positions and they're taking over and they're doing really, really good things and I see them being good leaders and they're being supportive and being servant leaders, it really just brightens up my day. What are some of the tenets that you follow for cultivating the next level of leadership? And by the way, I just love hearing you say all of that. I think that's amazing. I, I do really believe that one of the fundamentals of leadership is the responsibility to grow more leaders. So thank you. For me, there are three key things that we need to do. The first one is, of course, we need to mentor. We need to share our wisdom and our stories and that sort of thing, because that's how people get knowledge or get new perspectives. And so we need to mentor the people around us. The second thing, of course, is we need to role model. What does leadership look like? What does it do? You know, so that people know what it is to be a leader, to go through a day as a leader. I think there's that saying that if you can't see it, you can't be it. And so we need to show leadership and really be recognised. And I don't know whether every leader recognises this, that every day you're role modelling. You may not be role-modelling role great stuff, but you are role-modelling and so you have a responsibility every day to recognise your role-modelling. So so you mentor, you model, and then the third thing is you coach. And so this is about now that they've seen what leadership looks like, now that they've got some information, actually putting it into practice, using it, thinking it, thinking things through, making good choices, taking action. And so we have this role of coaching people to be accountable, to step up, to take ownership of things and actually do it for themselves and the people around them. And so I think with those three things, we've got sort of the ingredients of growing the leaders around us. One of the things that I really love to hear is this cultivation of others and even the cultivation of oneself, of kind of taking all of the experience and doing something with it. You were talking about how you used to help others with productivity and many other areas uh, that, that are connected to leadership. Now that you have established an expertise in this arena, 
Where do you imagine the next level of expertise coming and going towards? Is it something that's related to leadership? Is it kind of reaching another level of leadership experience and coaching? Where are you headed with all of this? Yeah, gosh, there's so much. I mean, if I just say leadership, that's just such an expansive area. And I think (laughs) there's so much in there. So for me, it's, I guess, more of the same, but also continuing. So one of the things that I really focus on myself is my own thought leadership. And so my own learning about how do I develop my thinking so that I'm actually able to articulate leadership with clarity and also to be able to share that with the people around me. So a lot of, I guess, my learning and self-leadership is about actually expanding my ability to think and to share that thinking with others. And so in that way, I'm continuing to grow myself. So I've always got more to share. And then how do I then actually promulgate that messaging around the world. And so for this year, I've got a really big focus on speaking. And so I'm going to be developing myself there so that I can share the messaging more broadly and just raise awareness about the practice of leadership. And that like me, we all need to keep learning. So I'm not sure if I've specifically answered your question, but that's some of the stuff that's going on for me, which is about me growing my own skills, which is modeling leadership, I guess, so that I'm then able to support and help develop and foster and cultivate even more people to step up and really become or elevate their own leadership. That's really powerful. Sorry to cut you off. I was going to say that's really powerful because you're talking about being a thought leader and also developing your way of thinking. I think a lot of times you don't really think about how you think. What are the thoughts that are going through your head? How do you convey these messages and convey these thoughts? I love that path and that journey that you're embarking on. Yeah, thank you. It's pretty fun. (laughs) So there's someone that's listening to this podcast right now and they want to be a better leader. And it sounds like you are constantly doing that. Even though you are the expert in this field, you're constantly pushing and improving yourself. What is that high leverage action that someone could take tomorrow to be a better leader? I think that it all starts with awareness. The number one thing that I talk to my leaders about is actually to notice what's going on, observe themselves in all those situations, when they're having conversations, when they're leading a meeting, when they're presenting, when they're thinking, you know, notice what's going on. How are they showing up? What are they doing well? What could be improved? Because that's where it creates awareness, which then creates opportunity because then we can figure out if we've got a gap and how to close it, or we can figure out, is there an aspiration? And we can work on that. I want to particularly talk about the listening thing that you mentioned though, because again, this is a big one. What I notice is the most influential leaders, the most impactful leaders are amazing listeners because when we listen, we learn, we learn what's going on. We learn more information because when we talk, we only repeat what we know. So listening is a very powerful thing for leaders. And the upshot also of listening is there's some great research from the Open Institute in the UK where they've done research over many, many years. And, and what they talk about is the impact of the feeling of being listened to on people's positive mindset and therefore their ability to actually perform at work. And it's the number one factor to actually have a positive impact on people, the feeling of being listened to by their leader. 
I mean, that's amazing. What an incredible difference as leaders we could make simply by improving our listening. So the first thing is I would say general awareness. So you notice what the opportunities are for you to grow your leadership. And then if you want something specific to do, focus on improving your listening because it not only gives you as a leader more insight into what's going on, but it also has sort of ripple effects to the people who feel like they're being listened to and their performance actually can be positively impacted by it. That is absolutely perfect. Stacey, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hop on the mics with us. For the folks that want to stay up to date with you and all the incredible things you have going on in your world and also get your books, what are the best ways that people can do that? Sure. So I'm on LinkedIn as Stacey Ashley. So that's pretty easy to find. My website is stacyashley.com and all my books are on Amazon. Excellent. We will be sure to drop those into the show notes for everyone to check out and stay up to date with you, Stacey. Really appreciate the time and we'll see everyone next episode. If you found value in this content, it would mean the world to us if you shared it on social media, sent it to a friend or talked about it over coffee. 